Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. It's the good stuff. Yeah. Laugh Podcast. Coming to you live from Flying Bull Productions Studios. On the L train, one of two co-hosts. My other co-host is over there, Mr. Two Frames. How are you, sir? Doing well. All right, so uh, it's April 28th, 2015. Mm-hmm. And yesterday's, uh, have you ever read the 33rdsquare.com? Have you ever been there? It's a futurist website. They deal with the singularity, okay. like all manners related to that. They wrote an article about uh, the danger of artificial intelligence called How Dangerous is Artificial Intelligence? And it quotes a number of individuals who know a little something about technology. And they're reacting to concerns being forced uh, by our seemingly rapid approach to singularity. Uh, among them is Bill Gates. You ever heard of that guy? Uh, he's the guy that built the bridge? Yeah. The Gates Bridge. Uh, the Golden Gates, right? No. <laughs> Microsoft, uh, my, or Microsoft should sponsor that bridge. No, he, this is the guy that starred in uh, Ghostbusters. No, it's a different guy. All right, so Bill Gates said, I'm concerned about the superintelligences. And then Elon Musk, you know that guy? Yeah. All Tesla, right. right? Yeah. He says that AI, working in AI, is summoning the demon. Another concerned scientist, Stephen Hawking, says that AI has the potential to eradicate mankind. He's been wrong on some other things, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, the writer, director of our current movie for the review, Ex Machina, writing in the New York Times on April 22nd of this year. He's not as concerned, and he finds the uh, alarmism amounting to paranoia among all these uh, computer geeky guys. He says that we have more to fear from humanity, and he argues in favor of machines. He sees that machines will allow humans to evolve by removing our propensity to be unreasonable. And he states that AI will be what survives of us. So my question to you is, in light of what this movie is all about, and your own personal feelings, which side do you agree with? Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Stephen Hawking, or Alex Garland? Do we have anything to fear about AI? Uh, probably not. I don't think AI is going to be that bad. And if it is, it'll destroy us so quickly we won't suffer. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good point. No, I, I'm 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 all for AI. I love technology. Well, that's all what the thirty third square is all about. It's a, mm, a tale, an Indian tale about the thirty third square of a chessboard. Okay. And I think it, this magician goes to the king and says, "Give me, you know, double whatever I can. Just like the rule of doubling, whatever mm-hmm. I can get." And I obviously I'm not very good with math. But by the time he gets to the thirty third square, it's like he gets more rice than the kingdom. He's asking for rice, and he gets a grain of rice in the first square, two grains of rice in the second square. Four, four on Yeah. <laughs> and then on and on and on. By the time he gets to the 33rd square, he like has all the rice in, in India or huh. something. So, um, And then that's the idea with singularity is that once AI reaches a certain level, it'll just go crazy out of bounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I- I'm excited. You're excited. <laughs> Could happen soon. Well, uh, I was listening. I mean, this is slightly off, but they're developing self-driving cars. 
I don't think that's a great idea. Well, probably in 10 to 20 years, there are going to be a lot of self-driving cars, and we'll be talking to our students in class and you know, start talking about the good old days when we drove ourselves in cars, and the students are going to look at us like we're so weird. I don't think so. Why? You want to drive a car? You know why I think you're wrong? Why? The infrastructure is not even in place for us to get uh, high-speed wireless. How is the infrastructure going to be in place? for them to, to put cars on the road and put people's lives at risk. There's not going to be, and then the lawsuits that will gener be generated out of that, there's not enough, uh, there aren't enough lawyers in the world. <laughs> Lots of companies are working on I mean, they already have cars that stop if they think you're about to get in an accident. I don't think that that's a bad idea. But I think that, like, you're giving over, well, that that's probably not a bad idea because there's sensors and stuff like that, if you, especially if you're, like, trying to park. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, there's a woman that almost killed me at the store the other day, or a man, I don't know, by backing into me, and if their car had, you know, a little sensor, that would have been cool. Right. So I see AI helping us. That's the way Alex Garland kind of says he sees it as a sort of a, a tool that we'll use. But I don't, you think in 10 years? i tell you what. 10 to 20 years, we'll have, most people will be in a self-driving car, or have the ability to get in a self-driving car. No. You're completely wrong. They don't even have the ability to get in a, a person-driving car in most of China. Well, I'm talking in America. I'm talking right. about where it counts. Okay. Wow, man. Really? Yeah. No, You're going to alienate our entire Asian audience? No, just China. Okay. <laughs> Made sure not to pick one of the bigger countries. Yeah. <laughs> At least you focused on the small one. No, no, I, I the but, small population. Uh, yeah, no, I think we'll have self-driving cars. Maybe we'll have AI. Well, we have forms well, of AI now. Like, well, to go with this movie, why is Ava even created? Well, okay, that's an interesting point. The movie is called Ex Machina, mm -hmm. as written, directed, as we said, by Alice Garland, starring Alicia Vikander as the. Uh, Female presenting AI, uh, Ava, and Domino Gleason stars as Caleb, who's brought in to uh, sort of take a part of this Turing test that's set up by Oscar Isaac's character Nathan. Nathan, uh, what do you think of that character? I like him. He's right. um, the head of this corporation that's like a combination of Google and Facebook. Yeah, but he's a he's a man, dude, bro. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Well, I like he, the shaven head and yeah. the, the huge beard. Right, and he drinks all night, boxes during the day, and then he, creates artificial intelligence. He's a he's a programmer. Yeah, from from one thirty to four thirty in the afternoon, he's working hard. <laughs> yeah. All right, so he creates this Ava, mm -hmm. and uh, brings in Donald Gleason to determine whether or not. He, this 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 creation is will pass the Turing test. The Turing test is um, written develop or sort of developed by Alan Turing to. It's a test that checks for uh, artificial intelligence, right? Yeah, it started as a thought experiment, and then uh, computers think that that's what will happen in twenty or computers. <laughs> computers think this. <laughs> Futurists and other individuals like. The Bill Gates and the Alice Garlands of the world think that we might have uh, gotten pretty close to the Turing test. Supposed to happen like 2030. So, anyway, back to the movie. You asked me about Ava. Why do I think she was invented? 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like most of technology is to solve some sort of problem. In this film, we have Ava, but why was she made? Well, there there are all manner of answers to that that Nathan, maybe he doesn't out and out suggest, but there's all kinds of implications. Um, and you can take whatever his motivations are at, at the very baseline to be um, sensual, sort of driven by um, his, I don't know, desire to be with a robotic equivalent of a female. So, I mean, if you take a feminist reading, it could be that he doesn't want to have to deal with women anymore. <laughs> uh, but I, I guess in a grander purpose, I think he Nathan views himself as a god, and Caleb puts a voice to that and says, I think there's a line that's been in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler, but he says something along the lines of, uh, well, if you're right about this Ava, we're not talking about the history of man, we're talking about the history of gods. And I think that's what the movie is setting up. It's sort of the relationship that uh, creation has to, or, or a uh, created individual has towards its maker. So in that, in that sense, it's like a modern Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, what do you think? What do you think Ava's created for? I don't know. That's I mean, I, I like this film, but it, it just sets up a little too neatly. Just here, look, I've created this robot that can walk and talk and do all these things. It's capable of drawing. So, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, not only is this thing artificial intelligence, but it's also the most advanced robot ever made. Well, I think that that's a statement about, well, you, you have to have some other equivalents to make you human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and art might be one of them, like an appreciation for art. Uh, you can go online. I think through Twitter, uh, I think it's Ava, AvaSpeaks.com or something like that, and she'll draw a picture of you. Have you seen those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, They're they, pretty interesting. They had Ava talking to people on, like, uh, not Facebook, maybe tw- uh, it was Twitter. Mm-hmm. They were doing this at South by Southwest where the film premiered, and people didn't know that they were talking to a computer until she's like, here, check out my profile, click on this link, and it took ah, them to the website. So they movie. all failed the Turing test. Or yeah, some people were upset by that, and I thought, oh, well, I thought that's pretty good marketing. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh, we've been fooled. No, I mean, overall, this movie did really well over the weekend. It made $5 million, but it was only in 1,000 theaters. Hmm. So it was making something like four million per or 4,000 per theater, which is up there with what Fast and Furious was doing, but Fast and Furious was in three times as many theaters. Yeah, and they've been, uh, I guess this is an A24 movie, mm-hmm. so they've been rolling this out very slowly, see if it picks up steam. Do you think it'll be in more or less theaters coming out? Uh, it'll probably be in more or theaters. Uh, I was reading an article actually earlier today, I think we're going to have it on the Twitter feed, about uh, A24 and how they're a fairly new distributor. They've only been around for about two years, and they've been slowly expanding. And they're looking to expand this movie, but they're not going to do it this weekend because of uh, Avengers 2. Oh, yeah. Age of Ultron. They'll do it next week because they just feel that, you know, there should be more room in the marketplace. And they're hoping to build some more good buzz about the film. It's the other AI movie. It'll be be the thing. Um, This is a pretty good, uh, pretty, pretty thoughtful movie, though, when I left it. 
um, I continue to consider its implications. And it brings up a whole lot of philosophical ideas. Um, and it compels you to think about it, which is one of the, the determining factors I have for whether or not a movie has any worth or value. And I'm not really sure if any other movie I've seen this year has reached those heights. I don't know. I know you're not as, as high on it as I am. You're a little bit cooler. I think my expectations going into it were a little high because I really like the director, Alex Garland. I like a lot of his films that he's written. Um, the ideas he's come up with are really original. This film, it's well done. The story's interesting, but I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of inventiveness to it. Hmm. This is where I have to disagree with you. All right. I have to call you out for being wrong. <laughs> Give an example. Of inventiveness yeah, in his other films? Was, or no, compared to this one. Like, why Why, why uh, does this film fall short? Uh, this film, I guess one of the problems is I don't understand why Avo was created. The the setup of this robot. Uh, but you don't see the motivation that Nathan would have for creating it, being the one dude that starts artificial intelligence. That beget, He's the progenitor. He, he becomes ostensibly a god yeah you don't see his motivation there this film feels like it was it came from some notes that michael Crichton wrote hmm. like this feels like something he would have written i think he's written on artificial intelligence before and he used to always imagine the future you know 10 minutes into the future what could we do with technology where's technology going what are the inherent dangers he did this with movies like jurassic park right. and uh, the book swarm yeah, Swarm. Nanotechnology. Uh, he, he's done some stuff with genetics. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of you know interesting stories and a lot of interesting well, ideas. Mean, this movie seems to be trying to be a warning, but it's not as fleshed out. It, it upset me that they didn't really try to explain the technology at all, not even a sentence or two. I kind of, I, I mean, they could have spent time on that, but then that you know that might have made the movie a little slower. Maybe maybe, but, a little, maybe there's a director's cut out there. But even when uh, but they're can't... doing the interviews, they're doing the touring test, the robot is separated from Leeson's character by this glass wall. Why can't that... the two of them be in the same room? They don't even give us a sentence. Yeah, but one in, line. In terms of like uh, tension for the audience, don't, don't you think that that's an important element? It, it felt like they were trying to... Um, do somewhere of a combination of basic in instincts, interview scene, crossed with Silence of the Lambs and think, the Anthony Hopkins. I think interviews. what I think what you're what you're seeing as as unoriginal and derivative is more homage, and I think he's doing different stuff with it. I, 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 don't, I think you're giving it less credit than it's due. I, I like it. I just think it pales in comparison to some of the other. Um, genres that he's advanced. Sunshine, I thought, was a great space exploration film. Well, he wrote that. He wrote that uh, 28 Days Later, really advanced uh, zombie movies and breathed new life into the genre. <laughs> breathed new life into zombies. I mean, yeah, zombie yeah. movies were kind of dead after the early 80s. Aren't these the fast-moving zombies, though? Yeah. Don't you have a problem with that? No problem well, with that. Well, we can go into that, but <laughs> it, it reinvigorated the whole zombie genre. All right. So, you know, he comes up with new ideas. This, I don't know if this sets off a whole bunch of robot movies, even though, as I say this, we've already talked about Age of Ultron on the well, previous show. This summer we've got 
a new Terminator film coming out. So, well, not only new Terminator. I mean, it's that's the fifth movie, sixth movie, and it's you know uh, franchise. But then you have Alice Garland wrote about this, and he even said, "I think I thought maybe I was a little late to the game because of Transcendence and her." He said it's a wonderful movie that came out where the person falls in love with his operating system or whatever on his phone. Big Hero 6. He lists a number of movies. One called The Machine. And he th- it's, a, it's about an uh, AI named Ava who, who goes on his journey or whatever. So he thought he was a little late to the game. But his, he's been working on this idea for a long time. And it's about... It started off as just him falling in love or him seeing a dude, uh, the Donald Gleason character, Caleb, going and falling in love with an AI and then wanting to elope with her. So that that's like the nation form mm-hmm. of the of the movie. But I think it goes in so much better, so much deeper directions and it sort of veers away from it. Like I think there's a shift that happens where it becomes less about Caleb and, and more, less about Nathan and more about Ava. And that's where it becomes interesting to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a good film, and maybe I've been spoiled by so many good science fiction movies over the last couple of years, so wow. many new inventive God, ones. I feel so different than you. I feel so different than you because this is the one movie, and, and mostly it's in science fiction, that has that met my expectations. Really? Right. Yeah. I can't, I mean... I was let down by a lot of those other movies. I think. I I just give I, me some titles because I, mean, I think you know, Edge of Tomorrow and Oblivion. Yeah. I didn't really know what to expect with them, so her I was, was inventive. I haven't seen her. Um, I still need to see Big Hero Six, but I've heard good things about that. Yeah. Uh, Interstellar had some interesting ideas. Wow. It, it wasn't great, but it, it took me someplace new. This I I never felt like they were breaking new ground. Everything's okay. done well and. One of the things I like is I heard another uh, show, another podcast, say that this film could be done as a stage play. And I like that idea. Okay. If anything, that's a new genre. That's where it's groundbreaking. The science fiction play. Well, ironically, do you know where we get the term robot? No. It's a Czech play in 1929. I wish I remember the name. of the, The title is R-U-R. And it's about um, sentient creations that rise up against their masters huh. and eradicate the entire human race. I don't mean to spoil this this uh, Czechoslovakian play from our uh, from 1929, but the term robot was first used there. Oh, okay, and uh, it's an interesting take because the the robots were invented to do all the to- chores and tasks that we don't want to do, like taking out the garbage, driving the car, maybe, those kinds of things. And then at some point they begin to realize that they have rights. And then there's like this robot rights group that comes to this, because it's on an isolated island. The robots take over and then they kill everybody and then a bunch of good stuff happens. And then some. Do you think this film is going to get any um, award consideration at the end of the year? Well, that Alicia... Was it Alicia? Alicia Vikander? Mm-hmm. I, I was mesmerized by her acting, and I'm not just talking about her sexuality. I mean, she's good-looking and all, but there were there were times in the movie where she 
show the emotion in her face in uh, rapid succession, like multiple emotions. And it was intriguing. It was, um, it, it was engaging. And I was kind of blown away. I was just, I'm like, this is some pretty, pretty good acting. I can't imagine her not being nominated, especially given the fact that there aren't, there aren't a whole abundance of female performances at the end of the year that they go to for best acting awards. So she could easily be a best acting or best supporting actress, depending on which direction they want to go. The Gleason character drops off a little bit. Yeah, well, he doesn't have as much to do. Uh, I thought Oscar Isaac was great in this. Oscar Isaac is quickly becoming one of my favorite actors to watch. The programmer? Yeah, and Man, they bro. give him some bad lines of dialogue, but he manages to pull them off. He's in a movie right now that's out called Mojave, where he meets a uh, doppelganger of himself. Ooh. Yeah, seems pretty interesting. Limited I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> Double Isaac? Well, you know whatever movie's like, coming in. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Star, Star Wars, Wars Episode Seven: yeah, yeah. The Force Awakens. Yeah, he he might be the only saving grace of that film. Well, do you do you like Donald Gleason? I can take him or leave him. Well, do you know what movie you'll have to take him in? Star Wars. <laughs> That's right. Star Wars Episode <laughs> Seven: <laughs> The Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> I like their interactions. That was a strength of the movie early on. Here, I mean, want me to say something nice about this movie? It'll be better than Star Wars. Guaranteed. I guarantee you at the end of the year, this movie is higher on my list. Well, that's because you've already decided. Like, you've you've prefabricated a list that puts Star Wars near the bottom just because you have some animosity towards your roommates in the past. You're a child with a child's mind. Star Wars is overrated. Okay, maybe in the past. It's not even the best Star series. Maybe in the past. Give this its due. Just wait and see. I'm I'm willing to have an open mind. I'm not like sold on it. I'm just you I'll know. take Star Trek over it. Stardust. <laughs> what other star <laughs> movies are there? I don't know. Starburst. Choose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, that's Ex Machina. It's an awesome movie. I think you should go see it and forget about what Mister Two Frames says over there. Well, could we do some spoiler territory yes, so I, I could bring up to. some of my bigger issues with this film? Right, do we uh, put in a disclaimer here about its uh, sensitive material for young ears? Yeah, well, yeah. there's a little bit of sexuality in, there's some sexuality in, this, in the spoilers. Yeah, and I think that that's an important part of the movie, so it would be difficult not to talk about it. We'll try to make it PG-12. Yeah, we will tread lightly. <laughs> All right, Certificate 12, they'll say. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. I don't want to spoil the party, so I'll go. So here's my big... This is what bothered me in the movie. I was constantly aware of them hiding the shortcomings of their story. Anytime they had to explain something, instead of explaining it, Generally, you would cue to Oscar Isaac making just some funny saying, being kind of a jerk, and just forcibly changing the conversation. All right, that's all right. That's not a that's a design of screenplay. That's not a weakness. I don't think they're trying to hide anything. You've got to try and explain something at some point. Well, you know, when we left the movie, I had that problem with the artificial skin, Mm -hmm. and uh, 
I think if they slowed the movie down to do that without trying to do what they chose to do, which was just pre- present it out there visually, then I might have fallen asleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wish there was something when we finally got some exposition when um, the Leeson character stumbles on the computer and gets to see all the old videos. Right, they do that visually. They don't. Yeah, they do that visually, but so that you can't see how like weird this is and how it makes very little sense. Well, but you have a feel of that all along. You had a feel of it all along with the uh, right. with he, the Kyoko character. He's trying to create artificial intelligence, and he's going through all these iterations. I think our, our Ava's like version nine point six. They say in the film. I don't know. So he's made multiple, multiple robots. Why does he keep changing the look of every single robot? Why, why, does, type, why does he waste so much time well, on that? I know why Ava's... We know why Ava's created the way she is. Okay. Because of Gleason's right. character. But he keeps going through all these different iterations. Well, that's a, that's a point. That's a, that's a, they're making a point there. They're saying that, that he, has no, he has no form. He has no shape that, he really, that he's really attracted to, Nathan. See to me, that was just them trying to. He hates th- all women. Do, it was the magician's assistant. And they even have a quote earlier in the film: "Is this just all a magician's assistant, a way of distracting you with sexuality?" And they show all the robots naked. You're right, but they're not sexualized when they're hanging there. Uh, I know, but it the, just, they're they're just hanging. They're like they're like uh, corpses. They're they're. Like meat locker, it's like a scene out of Rocky Four. Oh, oh yeah, and sometimes it's disturbing. The one robot that bangs on the wall, trying to escape, and her that's, arms are shattering. That's a great visual in a montage sequence. That whole montage sequence. Yeah, but I, I don't know. They all had to have skin on. None of them looked like Ava. They could have done it. Uh, you know where it's kind of see through at points on her body. They could have done that with the other robots. They chose not to. I really felt no, like it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. Those were all in their final forms. The suggestion to me is that he's done this with other people also. He's done this with other people other than Donald Gleason. All right, why doesn't uh, the he Caleb put character. full skin on Ava? Why did well, he do it with all the other robots? Because he wants to see whether or not uh, Caleb falls in love with her based on appearances that reveal her to be a robot. I think it's part of the test. I think it's part of Nathan's test. Like, he looks at her, he knows that it's a robot. There's no escape from the fact that she's a robot. Even though she presents as a fully formed, you know, human being. Yeah. And it's not until she puts on her clothes later that she becomes, uh, uh, I don't know, less attractive maybe? I don't know. She's more attractive as a as a robot, sexually. Uh, she's interesting. Yeah, I think. I mean, she's well, the, the the female body parts are exaggerated. Well, you in really robot form. You focus on her face a lot more too, and on her eyes. She does a lot with her eyes. It's a it, that's well, yeah, the yeah, subtle yeah. part of her performance, but her face looks human, and I found myself constantly looking at the face, going, "Human." It is human. I, I, I know, but it, it creates the illusion that she is a human by having the face fully formed. And if you're just looking at her face and there are close-ups, you know, when she's talking, 
and you go, oh yeah, yeah, she feels human, and then they would cut to a wide shot, and you would see again, you know, her robot body. Right, but Caleb's always in view of that robot body, and he has to come to terms with the fact that he's falling in love with a robot. He has to know that it's a robot. Do you also think they had her put on some clothes to save on the special effects budget? Like, once you have shown that she's a robot, the audience understands. All right, let her put on a wig. Let her put on some clothing so we can save some money. I I don't see I mean, the visual effects were really well done, but that had to be very labor-intensive, especially having her be see-through in her torso. It makes it easier from an acting standpoint, but those scenes and sequences aren't as... I mean, I think you need the shock also of seeing her in her fully formed female body and then comparing it against the robot body. So you need to see that contrast. You need to see the development of that form throughout. So they needed to show it to make it as effective as it was. So I don't know. I don't think it's a budgetary concern. Okay. Here's another big flaw that I got in the movie. They set up that Leeson's reason for wanting to save Ava is that she's going to get her memory wiped because Oscar Isaac's character needs to use the body for the next robot. But they show he's got all these different robots. He's got plenty of robot bodies. Nathan doesn't care about... So, I mean, wait a minute. Caleb only cares if if, uh, the Ava remains intact. Yeah. He doesn't care about the body. He cares about the essence. The body is immaterial. Yeah, but Nathan is going to wipe her memory right, and so that, that he erase... can use the body again. Well, that's what Nathan says, but we know he's an unreliable narrator. I don't think it's a flaw. I think it's just another way he has of manipulating Caleb. He's pushing him to that point. I don't, I don't, I don't remember necessarily the line of dialogue. And then if everything else bears out that it's not that, then I think you have to accept that Nathan is just screwing with Caleb. It's just another way of saying, I mean, I don't, I don't remember, again, what he said to Caleb to make him realize that he was going to kill her. But Ava was certainly aware that she was going to die. Oh, so he had also told Ava this, I too. Think so, because yeah. I, I guess I, I, was, I never really understood why does she want to escape? Why does the she... human desire for freedom? But how does she know there's anything else? She's only been in this house. They actually make a big a big deal about that, and, and that's how that's the philosophical concern of the movie is the whole uh, they call it Mary's room. Mm-hmm. It's a thought experiment, like the Turing test. Mary's room, and he spells it out. It's the idea that we can experience, we gain a different type of knowledge through experience. Um, knowledge is is subjective. That you can, and he sets it up in terms of color. Like you can explain how color works to mm-hmm. a person, and they can figure it out scientifically, mathematically, or whatever that you know is input on the retina, and the retina turns into electrical impulses, and they can have a feeling of that uh, in a in sort of intuitive way. But unless they experience it, they'll never know All right. what it feels like to experience the color red. And that's the thing that she desires that will make her fully formed as an as a, a a being, maybe not a human, but some other form of thing. If she just stays in this room the whole time, she'll never attain whatever it is that she needs to attain. It's all about evolution. But how does she know that there is something else out there? She doesn't she... know. She's operating on the assumption 
because based on what she's told, but she doesn't, she certainly as hell doesn't want to stay in that box. She doesn't want to stay in that glass room, and she knows that Nathan's going to wipe her out, so her only choice is to escape. She wants to never see her actually being told that she's going to be wiped out. No, but she makes Caleb realize that. So she has to be aware. No, Plus, I think she's... Nathan tells Caleb he's going to do it, so we assume Ava knows that, and so we think we know why she wants to escape, and then the whole thing turns out to be a ruse. What, the whole thing about her wanting to escape? No, that Nathan wasn't actually going to wipe her out, that he's trying to get her to escape. And that all these robots have, and he wants to see, see if she can use her sexuality to escape. Yeah, but can he wasn't going to let her escape. He wanted her to use so, sexuality as a tool. So he's been telling her, here, you, you've got to try and escape. Or... Well, he manipulates her and him as well with, I, the, whole, with I, the whole missing dialogue. that he lets, he lets Caleb see him rip up that picture of him. He knows it's a picture of Caleb. He lets him see it and it acts like it's some form of jealousy or whatever. And he's playing under the sort of assumption that Caleb is going to act in such a way to try to help her go. But he thinks he's ahead of the game. And he thinks he's ahead of Ava. He thinks he's ahead of Ava. He doesn't realize he's not. And that Ava has seen through all this ruse. Well, Ava does exactly what she's what she sets out to do, which is, um, I guess she seduces Caleb, mm-hmm. and then uses him, and you know she. But as far as she knows, his plan's going to work. It's actually got this huge hole in it that Oscar Isaac's already thought through this, and he's not going to get drunk that night. Right, Leeson tells Ava, yeah, I'm going to get him drunk tonight, and then you know, I'll turn off, you know, you turn off the power, and I'll get you out. Right. And she gets lucky she, that she gets lucky, he did yeah. this earlier. Well, isn't evolution just, like, random steps along the way? Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's also like... funny that he lies to Ava. Like, he's aware that they're being watched. Who, I just, who li- who's he in that sense? Uh, Leeson is aware that they're being watched when the power's off. So no, he's not aware of that. Yeah, he's figured it out. That's why he lies to her and says, I'm going to get him drunk tonight, when in fact he's going to get him drunk. Or he he did that the day before. Oh. Wait a minute. I can't remember that. I'm <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I just, I, I, I it think seems the, like the story shows kind of breaks him. down. I thought it was pretty tight on that. Uh, and I, I think that a lot of it... In her escaping the house, how does she know where to go to meet the helicopter? Well, she follows the helicopter. She's already out in the field. She's walking towards the field and mm-hmm. she sees the helicopter. flies over her head. How does she know to she go upstream? She asks Caleb. I don't know. They don't have those moments. They need a couple extra moments. Like I said, they, they always need... No, they need the you extra know, line things to flesh things to, out. There's some things that you have to, that you have to take on <sighs> implication. You can have metaphor. Based on implication, it's the ideas that matter. Too many of the important moments, the, the uh, stuff that you have to buy in. I think that Garland's, just... Garland's approach is to let you come to terms with it and let you figure that out. And mm-hmm. I think that's better than spoon-feeding it to you. It's a different movie than uh, a Marvel-type movie. It's a contemplative movie that requires you to consider all elements. And then if you think about the different motivations and the different... Uh, the ways that the characters interact with each other, then you begin to see how all those shifts at the end sort of heighten the intensity and make it a better movie than a normal movie. Maybe. I I, I don't know. I just, I didn't buy in that far. 
well, when, to not get too far off subject, a lot of people in Inception or talking about Inception, you know, they argue that Nolan purposely put in all of these uh, plot holes, you know, whether or not it's they're still in a dream or not, right? Right. You know, the, it contradicts itself, and some people say, "Well, Nolan did it on purpose." Other people are like, "He's lazy. He couldn't make the script tight enough to have it be one answer." So. Well, Nolan is operating in a different realm on that. That's why there are the contradictions. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that this is a perfect movie. I'm not saying that Alex Garland didn't consider. I was willing to buy into it in Inception more. I'm not willing to buy into all the contradictions in this film and fill in the blanks on my own. All right. Um, I think the strongest part of this movie. I think the movie compels you to do that. Yeah, the the strongest point is the acting. To me, the weakest point is the writing and the story. Hmm. The cinematography is great. The sound design's great. The visual effects are great. What I thought was going to be the strength of the movie was the writing, and that's what let me down. Huh. Well, I I see the writing and Ava uh, as a character and her journey as the most compelling feature, and then the considerations beyond the end of the frame outside of the frame or outside of the end of the movie. Those are the kinds of things that make me, uh, you know, so high on this movie is because um, where, what's the next step? I mean, there's not going to be a sequel to this. It's not a movie that lends itself to a sequel. I don't want a sequel. I don't want to know what she no, does but, when she gets out into the world. But that's, that's the whole point. The Sopranos ending. Yeah. I, I don't have problems with the ending. I, I'm surprised. I thought I wasn't going to like the ending because most of Garland's, movies have bad endings. Well, speaking they, of the ending, like when I asked you this earlier, you said that you thought the Donald Gleason character was the one we're supposed to align ourselves with. Yeah. Did you ever veer away from that? No, I think I stayed with him because he's our conduit to the whole story. As he finds out information, we're finding it out. But I think there's a key scene, the interrogation scene, where Ava has already put on clothes and become less sexualized and a wig like this obscure wig <laughs> weird wig and uh she starts to question Domo and then at that point it is like a baton is handed off yeah and then i began to view the movie f- from her perspective and the Domo Gleason character just drops away completely in fact she just kind of leaves it there you don't <laughs> even hear his last line you see him screaming behind the yeah just like you see her behind a, a you know a glass wall there's a there's a reversal and then she i mean she murders nathan without consideration and animus you know she's not i don't think she's angry at him she just wants something else and she's not in love with Caleb she just wants to experience something beyond that so it's all her motivations are are uh, are very um, hidden, and so you have to fill in the blanks with her, and that's what makes you work as a moviegoer. I don't know. I'm I'm not just willing to go there. I, I don't understand why she wants to leave so badly. All the other robots wanted to leave, except for the Asian one. The well, Asian well, one is perfectly well, happy being the a Asian, servant. The Asian one's the only one that has the knife. The Asian one's the one that provides. Yeah, and then yeah, she kills. <laughs> the Asian one stabs Nathan in the back. Yeah, Kyoko. You're saying that she wasn't trying to, to escape? Yeah. She had chances all over the place to escape. Maybe not. You kill Nathan. She you wasn't take as his smart. car key. She, you take his 
you take his key card. You call up the helicopter to come get you. She she didn't have language skills. She didn't have she had some of the sexuality and some of the animated um, abilities. But that's where if they had said she but was she a was version two point robot, it doesn't have to say that. It's there. It's in the movie. Nah, it, she was stupid. She tries to have sex with she Caleb, understands and like, then she starts dancing because Boogie Oscar Nights. Isaac tells her to. She exactly. understands well, language. Doesn't Oscar Isaac tell her not to escape? She's a she's a dog. She's a pet. No, I think they were trying to have that be some big reveal. Like, oh look, she's a robot too. No, I it, think that, I, that was like a bad Stepford Wives moment. Uh, no, I mean I think that you knew right away that she was a robot. I think you knew right away what was going on. You think most people going to see this movie go, oh, robot? No, but most people are not as sophisticated. He lets the viewer know that he gives enough clues that that's what's going on with this woman. Did you think it was just some Chinese servant? No, I didn't. But you I'm thought not it a was normal, a robot. But I'm asking you, normal people watching yeah, this film, it, that's supposed to be a big reveal. Oh my gosh, she's a robot think, too. No, I don't think so. I disagree. There's a couple of key scenes where she's overhearing what they're talking about. And she knows she's going to be a conduit to help uh, Ava escape. And she's put this in, into motion. She's aware of Ava. I don't think Ava's aware of her. I think it's even a line. I think Ava comes up to her and says, who are you? You know. And then they communicate with each other in whatever code they, they can speak as AI. So she can speak as a robot. Yeah, but she but she can't she is not <sighs> fully activated. She is not actualized. In order to be a human or to have uh, freedom, which is essentially the theme of the movie, you have to be able to But she'll act take orders from Oscar Isaac. Who except will? at the end. The the Asian robot. We'll take orders from Oscar Isaac, except yeah, at the end when stupid. Ava... Tell... She's a link. She's a link to Ava. Ava's the next development of that species. So Ava's able to control her over Oscar Isaac at the end. I don't even know what she says. I don't even know what they're, how they communicate with each other there. I know that Ava recognizes her as... Yeah, I, I, I see Ava gets control of her. I just... If it was that easy, I don't understand why it wasn't done earlier. It wasn't easy for her. It wasn't easy. I'll put it like this. <laughs> when you when you first came to Metroville as a teacher, what was your what was your schedule like? Bull version 1.0. Uh-huh. Well, that that was back when you were one frame. You got avid yeah. and you know, whatever English, right? Uh-huh. Fast forward 5 years. Uh-huh. One frame. You became two frames. Four frames. <laughs> I don't know how far advanced you are. I wouldn't give you that much credit. But anyway, now you're able to pretty much figure out what, what your schedule is going to be. And you don't have to take Avid. You get a better choice. You get a better pick. So you're... you're I get to pick my schedule? You get a better... You, you get more credit than you would have gotten as a first-year teacher. And it's changed in the last ten years, you know. Okay, for everybody I, I else. don't think your metaphor holds up here. I'm just saying that the there's that the, the version that you had when you first started was a dumb version, and now you're slightly smarter. But even in the flashbacks, when they when he's watching all the video, <laughs> you never see the Asian robot in it. 
Yeah, you do. There's two forms of Asian. There's actually you never see that Asian robot. You're like, what? What, what happened? I don't know. Maybe you were falling asleep. No, in the there was movie. a different. There was a tall Asian. There was like the gigantic six foot Asian. Well, robot. because he wasn't going to destroy this last one. But you never see he him working her... on the last one. You never see him doing anything with no, that one. That's small. That's point. where they're trying small to make. Point. No, that's my point. That they're yeah, trying to make small. it a big reveal that she's a robot too. It's that Stepford Wives moment. Mm, yeah. When do you so when is it revealed when he smashes her with the pipe? No, it's earlier. Okay, so when, when he's looking reveal. at all the robots, she peels part of her face right, off. Right, 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 right. Okay, to say like, yeah, I'm one too. Yeah, and then he begins to question his own existence, or yeah, yeah. whether or not he's a robot. And that was stupid too. He cuts himself down a vein or an artery or whatever to determine. It would have been kind of cool if he was a robot. I would have liked a that. Different movie. But I'd like to see where that goes. Yeah, I like the way it went. I like Ava's story. I like it. I, I like the implications. I like considering what it is when you're able to face your maker. This is what Prometheus tried to do and didn't do well. What happens when you face your maker and you destroy it? Because she owes her existence to Nathan, and yet she completely has no feeling for it whatsoever. And then now, is, it, is that a different form? Of humanity? Is that a, a different type of... What is that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just... <laughs> I don't know. The implications, again, are what I, compels me. I, I, yeah, I just... I feel like there should have been other people taking the Turing test before the Domino Maybe there were. They just didn't show I, I just would have liked to see something. They would something. have hired another it, actor. Yeah, do it in the, the, fla- in the videos, yeah. in the flashback. Nah, I, I liked it just the way it was. <sighs> yeah. nah. It's a good film. It, it it is a good film. Good I, I'm not trying, and I think it's one of those. I thought about it a lot, and I, I like a lot of this film. I'd recommend it to people to go see. All right. I I think it'll be in my top ten or close to my top ten at the end of the year. But there are flaws in this film. Well, there's flaws in almost every movie. So the thing is whether or not you're willing to overlook them. We had this debate with Pacific Rim. Right. Another science fiction movie. I enjoyed it. Right. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'd recommend it to people. You were over the moon about it. It's a great movie. And you were willing to overlook the flaws a lot like you are with this film. No, I think that, well, Pac Rim knew what it was doing in a different way. This one's tighter than you're giving it credit for. You can't tell me that this movie is on the same level of, of inanity as Pacific Rim. No, no. This movie is much smarter, much tighter, and it. I think it. What you see as flaws, I think, are actually instances where they're choices. Right. And he knows what he's doing. Fair enough. Because he doesn't explain the Turing test. He just assumes that everyone's going to know what the Turing test is. No, they have a lot. Do you know what the Turing yeah. test is? And Leeson's character is like, yeah. Yeah. I work for your company. Yeah, I'm that's my point. They don't sit down and say, and the then Turing he explains test what blah, it blah, is. Blah, blah. Yeah, no, they do. It's exposition. Not much, though. Not much. And then they just show you the wet technology. The oh, wet that was stupid. That's the kind of stuff you said you wanted. But he's like, here, I created this brain. I have this brain. lab where I, I do. It's like, all right, you're a genius programmer. You're also a genius engineer because you were able to create the most advanced robot. Man, he's a hard Ever. worker too, man. I tried to put together a, like an IKEA bookshelf, and it took me three days. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> just imagine trying to put together those intricate robots yeah, all by yourself. Yeah, I mean he is Stuff. an uber genius, and he uh, makes drink Newton as much, look stupid. Yeah, drink as much as you can. Wow. 
Yeah, man. Every movie's going to fall apart like that. If they said, no one has seen this guy for 10 years, you're going to be the first one. Make him into like a Willy Wonka. (laughs) Wonka. I think you're a Wonka. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah, all right. So I'd love to hear what other people have to say about this film. I hope more people go and watch this. Speaking of other people and feedback, mm-hmm. I think we need to have a little listener feedback section. On our Twitter feed, Nictastrophe wrote that he was uh, proud of us for seeing Lawrence of Arabia. Ooh. Yeah. And I wrote him back and said, Mr. Two Frames thinks it's a great movie. And think, he favorited the tweet. I so think it's the greatest movie ever made. Thank you, Nick Tastrophe, for your comment. Um, let's see. Uh, Tony wrote on, not Tony C., friend of the show. This is a different Tony. In our Facebook post talking about uh, Lawrence of Arabia, uh-huh. she wrote, 1962 called, they want their movie back. <laughs> Some pretty good feedback there. What did Tony C. have to say this week? Uh, Tony C. said he actually went and saw Lawrence of Arabia recently, and he enjoyed it. Thought it was too long. Thought it was too long. All right, I think there was some other comments. Uh... I thought it was too short. <laughs> I would love to see an 11-hour cut of that film. All right. So those are our comments from our friends on the show, and then if you want to leave comments for us, we'd really appreciate it. You can go where, Mr. Two Frames? Well, you can email us directly at thelaughpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at thelaughpodcast, or you can even message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelaughpodcast. Do we have an idea for next week's show yet? Uh, I'd like to review The Avengers. Because that will be one tight movie with no plot holes. That means I have to go see the Avengers this weekend, or... Yeah. It's not going to be easy for me. All right, we can do something else. You know what else is streaming? Slow West. All right. You want to do Slow West? Yeah. All right. We can. Maybe the Avengers, maybe Slow West. I don't know if I can watch all of Daredevil, but I think that should be a future show. Slow West. Now, that is a Western. Maybe Daredevil. Unlike one of our colleagues that we work with who said about All Quiet on the Western Front, I don't like Westerns. (laughs) That's why I've never read that book. (laughs) And that's why they call this the good stuff. So, for Mr. Two Frames over there. It's been a pleasure. I'm the L-Train. Hoxet Bonum, everybody. There be dragons. I don't know what kind of music we played, but anyway. Hmm. So some some of the listener feedback we've had um, from our listeners is what? <laughs> I can't remember. Because there was some other huge point I wanted to make. <laughs> what the heck did Tony see? Oh, I know what one of them is. All right. <laughs> so some of the did listener feedback. Cut that. Oh, oh yeah, no, that, that'll go with that. I got it. That'll probably. Get... This has been a pretty rough uh, show, man. We, gotta, we need some. <laughs> we need some. We need some comic. Uh, so uh, the let's get some listener feedback. All right, what you got? <laughs> All right, so uh, 